What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Pondwold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we're trying to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Will Bowser of Quality Touch Studios out of Waldorf, Maryland. Will has been recording music for over a decade, and we go through his history, the pros and cons of working out of your home, and what it's like to truly have someone in your corner rooting for you along the way. The amount of credit he gives his wife and family to all of his success is truly incredible. So often you hear about how much a person has given up to succeed or to keep pushing forward, and you don't really hear about the people who supported that person and gave them that safety net so they could keep pushing and could keep going and reaching those bigger and bigger goals. I thought it was pretty refreshing all around and look forward to hearing some feedback from you guys. You may or may not have noticed I didn't put up an episode last week and I'm super late putting up one this week. The weather here in Maryland has been awful, which means that this guy has been in and out of being sick. Sinus nonsense that made me sound like a terrible nasal pop-punk singer. It's been gross. I'm feeling a lot better now, so look forward to me getting back on track with all the weekly episodes. As always, please rate, review on iTunes. You are all failing me by not doing so. Thank you to the three people who have so far. You guys are amazing and the real MVPs. The show is also on Stitcher. I don't really know what that means, but it's on there, so... That's just something else. Anyway, that's enough of me. Here's the show. Enjoy. Yeah, so tell me, where did you just go in New York? Uh, we went to AES. Um, that would be the Jacob Javits Center. Okay, so what what is ADS? No, a- AES. Oh, so it's basically the Audio Engineering Society. Okay, cool. <laughs> so what, what was that? Was that just a, a conference for your audio engineers, or how does that work? Um, Actually, yeah. That's actually exactly what it is. So okay. for for this year's AES, it was actually really, really, really important that myself and my whole team kind of made it out there. Um, we just had a lot of craziness going on. Um, a lot of new sponsorships from companies. Oh, man. Let's see. Um, I did this interview with Chris Lord Algae. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that'll be coming out on SSL's TV channel, on their YouTube channel, and their website. So, yeah. Basically, the internet's going to know, know my name in the next month or so, so that's going to be really... Well, that's good. It's going to be interesting, <laughs> to say the least. How yeah. long have you been doing recording? Ooh, oh man. Um, counting this year, 17 years now. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, man. It's It has been a journey. <laughs> what got you started with it? Um, I actually grew up drawing and doing graphic design work. I've been drawing since I was like five years old. I went to school for it. And I went to the I actually went to the high school of art and design, and in my tenth grade year, they offered a music program as an extra program. So you had to come, you had to come a whole hour earlier than when school started at eight o'clock. So I had to be there at seven fifteen, and I don't know why it just kind of caught my attention. And the music teacher was just awesome. So I just got bit by the music bug, and I was like, screw all this drawing and all this artwork <laughs> and these these scholarships <laughs> and my mom was like what are you talking about and yeah that was the end of that man that was that was like the road right there and i just pursued it gosh what were some of the things that um you found during your conference the aes that you're gonna bring back to your studio or some new stuff that you're just can't wait to get your hands on um 
let's see. Software-wise, so here's the thing, right? As a beta tester, the answer, right? The, there's two answers here. As a beta tester, the answer is nothing. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> because all the new things I've been testing out <laughs> with all of the companies for like almost like three, four months now. Gotcha. Okay. So there's absolutely nothing really left for me to try out that I'm like super uber excited about. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I've been testing that's been really dope, that to, and it's really cool to see companies release things as you test them because you know the world is going to make millions of records a month mm -hmm. with the things that were like your responsibility to make sure that they work, you know? So it kind of hurts. It kind of hurts my heart every time when I see someone go like, oh, this isn't working on my system. I'm like, you know, I have the same system. Let me help you out. Right, <laughs> right. But, you know, other than that, it's AES, AES now, when I was younger, AES used to be the coolest thing in the world for me to go to mm -hmm. just because I get to see all the new toys and stuff. And now AES is like, it's like going to hang out at your friend's house now. I get to see all of my engineer friends, like like yourself. Like, I don't really right. get to talk to a lot because I'm always working. Right, you know? right. So all my friends from different places in the world that have shown up to do all these great things, and they tell me about different stuff. And, like, the after parties are, like, the best thing in the world, <laughs> dude. I promise you. Like, an AES after party is way more lit than most people can imagine. <laughs> uh, was there anybody that you look up to at AES that you were finally able to maybe reconnect or connect with again and get a chance to talk to them a little bit more? Um, literally all of my favorite engineers except for Dave Pensado and Jason, Jason Joshua. Other than that, I, I cleared off every other engineer on my list. And I have to thank um, Chris Lord Algy's brother, Tom Lord Algy, because because of him, I, he actually got me the kind of in with all the rest of the engineers at Mixed with the Masters because he's a smartass and nice, I'm a smartass. Nice. So we completely linked on that level, <laughs> especially before the interview with Chris. So it was like, it, be, it became one of those things where he's like, well, you know, such and such has been hanging out with Chris too most of our lives, so you should go talk to him. And that led to me talking to like Leslie, um, um, Marcella, that led me to talking to Al Schmidt, that led me to talking to Manny Mariquin, you know, like Bob Power. Like, everyone that was at the Mix with the Master event, which happened to be everyone, because they were having a special Mix with the Master get-together. Right. It was was cool. I got all these great phone numbers and great advice, and, like, I'm cool with people now that I grew up listening to their work, you know? Right. So it's just, it's just, it's weird, but it's cool. So for you, how do you find the people that influence the, what you're doing now? So are you going through the liner notes on the albums? Are you trying to figure out what studio things are recorded at? How you know does that what? work for you? I did that when, when I was younger, I did that. It's it's different because I'm a little older. And now that I'm older, to be honest, I can just really talk. I've, I've actually known a lot of these guys for a very long time. So mm -hmm. to be honest, um, I just hit them up. It's a lot of people have that weird misconception that all these pe these guys are so high up in the clouds that they're unreachable. When the reality is, they still walk on the ground with the rest of us. So, right, just just ask the questions. No one wants to hear the same questions, but people love hearing questions about things in a different way or a different light. You know, so it's like everyone hears, "Well, what did you do on this 1176?" You know what I'm saying? But no one ever hears, "Well, how can what can I do to make an 1176 give me?" more room ambience if I stick it on a reverb with some delay on it. Like, does that sound like something that would be interesting and might give me what I'm looking for? That piques someone's interest because, you know, no one's really thinking about doing that. But right. it's now giving maybe your hero another way to go, you know what, that sounds kind of cool. Maybe I'll do that on like a, a drum return or something like that. That sounds cool. And you're, you're finding 
this is what what I'm always interested in when it comes to recording. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows who the band members are. Yeah. Right. So everybody knows the rock stars or the, the forefront, the, the hip hop artists. They know who that is. But not everybody knows who the producer is or the recording engineer yeah, or <laughs> or the you know the backbone of that record. Mm-hmm. So when you were first getting into recording seventeen years ago, is that the the way that you found those people? Was that through just finding how that that artist recorded or how did how did that work for you? So like when I when I started out, it was like you know album album credits. Okay. Like, you know this is. For me, it was the CD era was still in, was still in full effect. So me getting an album's booklet was really the easiest and coolest thing in the world because now I can just really see names and all these different things. So it just became like, oh snap! So this person did this and this person did this, and then like you know forums online. Like back in the day, Gear Sluts was like still like early on one of the biggest things in the world. So when you had special guests, this guy engineered for, and you would see the list of the the people they worked with, you're just like, holy crap! And then it became like it became like attending class. Right. You know what I mean? You can now I can I can ask these questions and I can get real answers. And yeah, this person might not know you, but they're still gonna answer the question because one, you're on a public forum in which they're allowing questions, and two, your your curiosity takes you to places that you it's it's like we're talking right now. You know what I'm saying? Within the moment you're just like, Oh my god, what uh let me <laughs> how did you get this mic technique for this trump? <laughs> what do I what do I put in front of it? Oh, you just you can stick anything you want in there. But a 57 will probably do. Are you sure? Is it like two inches or five inches away? Just move it till it sounds good. Uh, I don't know if I like that answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not... I feel like it's probably not that mathematical down to the, the inch. <laughs> no, never. You know, people, <laughs> it, I feel like it's not like that serious, but there, there's got to be a good portion of people that are that just want to replicate that sound so much. You, you know what the, the problem is, though? A lot of a lot of the younger guys and, and girls now, they 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 miss the point of when you're doing the music. It's about capturing the moment, mm-hmm. and that that statement alone. Even we we've all heard it for forever. We've heard that statement most of our our careers. So it's like that statement means a lot because there's other things going on in that moment that influence your decisions. So the band could be getting high as a kite right now and someone being completely, utterly blown out of their mind might have an idea that you think is off the wall, but it worked mm-hmm. and helped influence that sound. But at the same time, that record still has to get mixed. So whoever is next in the chain, whether it's yourself or the next person, has to now take the decisions that were made at the recording level and now use those to influence the mix. And of course, after the mix gets approved and everyone's happy with the mix, it has to go off to the mastering engineer, who's now it's either stairway to heaven or he's about to catch hell. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like these are the things that that make the final product, and and people don't realize that. You know what I'm saying? Like I can boost a kick drum to high hell. It doesn't it doesn't mean when it gets to mastering that's what it's gonna be. Gotcha. Okay. You know, people people don't they don't look at the big picture when they when we ask questions anymore. They, they they try to micromanage every single aspect when there's there's too many moving parts in this car. <laughs> right. So for you, you have you worked in your a traditional studio setting or has it always been your your own? Both. Both. Right. Yeah. I, I interned first. Um, 
I did a little work at KMH, and then I went to Baltimore where I was working at an independent record label, um, Raw DLC. Um, that that probably had one of the bigger influences on my style and my work. Um, it was run by a gentleman named Solomon. Mm -hmm. Solomon, definitely an awesome engineer. Um, he he had a C twenty four. It it was amazing. He probably had one of the, the best looking and sounding home studios along with him, Keith at KMH that I had ever been in and had the pleasure of working out of. Mm -hmm. Like his basement was probably like the size of two two home basements. It was crazy, and the fact that he was like an international engineer. So he had worked on like Britney Spears projects and in sync projects and he had worked on Backstreet like he the pop world loved this guy, but he was like the little small hidden secret. So hmm. when they were like, Hey, I need you to do this, this and this, he cool, I'm falling. he's on a he's on a plane. But here in Baltimore he's doing hardcore rap records. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? So it was just like it was like so cool. His he his work method was very quick and efficient. And yeah. when were you able to break out and venture on your own? Um the label when the label started folding Mm -hmm. The work, you know, the work started slowing down. So it was, for me, it was just like, all right, cool. So some of the artists I still st stayed in contact with, I did a little couple of their projects here and there. But from that, at that point, I was just, you know, I was more home based at that point, just because I had no real reason to keep running back and forth to Baltimore anymore. Right. They weren't really doing anything, so it was cool. Stayed in touch with a couple people, and from there, I just kind of grew legs on my own. And you've been able to get people to come down to Southern Maryland oh, yeah. all the time and, and do whatever from you're going to do over the country, here, right? From all over the country. It's it's been it's been very very weird. Um, so my last two years of being in business have been the best years of my audio career. Everything else has been kind of touch and go. So you know you got to keep the full time job because we live in America mm -hmm. and you got to live. <laughs> mm -hmm. So living in the capitalist society, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but um, ever since I've met my wife, it's been awesome, yo. Like having it cannot be understated. I'm mean, sorry, overstated. How important it is to have someone in your corner, right? Like a business partner, a life partner, someone that supports you. Like on the worst day, like when I'm feeling like, man, all of this sucks. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. This record sounds like trash. No <laughs> one's gonna love this. This is gonna end my whole career. And she's just like, chill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're you're gonna be fine. Things are gonna be okay. Look, grind a little harder. You want you want this? Push yourself to go get it. Go out and go do it. Like, it's one thing to have the can-do attitude. It's another mm -hmm. thing to have someone rooting for you. Yeah, because then you don't have to look so much inwards all the time. You have that mm -hmm. that positive Definitely. force pushing you along, not just your inside. Because mm -hmm. if if it's just you, a lot of times you just want to go cry in the corner. Yeah, and just it's, go take a nap. <laughs> it's 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 one of those. Yeah. Now, by, that doesn't mean by any stretch of the means, like, I'm, I'm a very, the cup is always half full kind of right, person. Right, right. Like, 95% of right. the time, I'm always like, yeah, man, we're going to do it, because we can, and that's <laughs> all you, that's all it takes. But, like, you know, there's that 5% where you're just like, you know, today, I think I think y'all can record yourselves today. I, I think I'm just going to press a button for you. Well, what, yeah, right. So, what kept you, do you think it was her that kept you going through those times where you... You knew that you had to to keep hustling on an, an actual job. Not, I don't want to say actual job, a nine to five, right? A regular yeah. whatever retail yeah. job, whatever, right? When you had that and you still wanted to pursue the studio, what part of you kept you going for that? Well, like I, I I've known for 
a good part of better part of a decade like this is what I was meant to do right and over that time I think I think the thought process that a lot of us have is is to always be very modest and, be, and to be very very humble um for me like three maybe four years ago right now I used to be married back mm-hmm. in the day so after I got my divorce from that I went to LA now it was the first time I had gone to um AES it was in, it was in Los Angeles I stayed out there for a week um, I'm telling you this side story. It, it does have a meaning to what we're talking about. So I go out there, and I'm by myself. It's the second time I've ever been on a plane. I'm out there with some friends, but I'm 100% out here <laughs> on my own. And it taught me that if this is what you're meant to do, if this is what you want, just go get it. I went out there with like 200 bucks. I came, and because of the things I had done prior in the studio here in Maryland, I was able to make clients were sending me the money that they owed me so I had they they now sent me $200 and then um, I had met up with some friends out there that were doing some work I made an extra $200 nice so I'm coming home (laughs) with money yeah and that that was an eye opener for me and then of course talking with other people um, you know Slate Digital um, you know some Solid State Logic like all these different companies out there that took me that took me on as like the up and coming young kid. I'm like, yo, this is this is cool, and they and they really work with me. They really want to rock with me. They want to see what I can do, you know. So it opened the doors, and it it opened up my my mental capacity for saying, you know what, this humble thing might not be the coolest thing in the world, and that leads me to why, because after meeting and talking to Chris Lorealgi, you you realize that life is finite. Mm-hmm. Anything could happen at any given moment, and really, to be honest, once you once you work at a certain level, everyone's a, one, everyone's one record away. Right, everyone's one record away from being the next big whatever engineer or you know producer. Like, that's the that's the honest to god truth. But the humble thing, you at some point have to say, "Fuck this, let's go." You know what I mean? Because being humble is like, yeah, don't worry, someone's gonna recognize you. The non-being humble doesn't mean being an asshole. It just means that at some point you have to pick up the sword yourself and say, we're going to charge out here, and whatever happens, happens. Right. You can't just keep grinding and hope something works. Yeah, you got you to be a squeaky wheel. And I did wheel. that yeah. for a very, very long time. And, that, that again, that's why, that's why I love my wife, because it, she definitely believes in the, well, if we're going to die out here, we're going to die out here. We're not going to die sitting here. Right. It becomes... It be, that's becomes the positivity that's where the growth comes in because now it's like you know what i got a guy in texas he says he wants to pay me this and wants to work on an album we're going to texas <laughs> like simple as that we're going to texas whereas i know a lot of engineers that are like man i don't know if i can do it man i don't know if my job will let me do it uh, i got yeah. these kids uh, and i'm just like one life that's all you get right twice if you're lucky right right <laughs> so you were you were able to Finally, be able to maybe separate from the nine to five and pursue this full time. Oh yeah. Uh, when when did that happen for you? Was that just literally 2016 New Year's Eve? I'll, nice. I'll never forget it. I was I was a server working at Cadillac Ranch, um, still awesome place. And serving serving is, is really dope because mm-hmm. it, it offered me the flexibility of of hours and time, and making a nice amount of money. If in this business, if you're gonna to if, fall back on, it, yeah, because it's just the money's always there. Yeah, if you're gonna serve, to serve at a, at a really nice high end restaurant, though, right? Just be smart. That's all. Right. Um, 
And then some things happened. Um, my wife, she she had an injury on her arm, so she was out for a little while. So it was just me taking care of the family and, you know, her, her side income because she got injured on the job. She got back to work. She's a nurse. She makes a really good living. She was like, hey, I know this is what you want to do, and you worked really hard for our family. You earned it. You deserve it. Do you want to do it? And, of course, like any any reasonable person <laughs> living in America, I don't know if I can just leave my 9 to 5 like right, that. Right. Go pursue these dreams here, baby. So, But my wife gave me the option. And so one night, it just happened to be New Year's Eve, um, it was, she gave me the option like the middle of December that in 2016. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave on New Year's. It just right. happened that way. I saw some guests. It wasn't even myself. It was another server that they were just being complete assholes to. And I was just like, nah, I can't, this can't be, this can't be the industry that I want to stay in like that. And so me realizing, hey, this is going to be my last night, I told them off. <laughs> but see, but, but see, but here's the thing. I'm a, because I am a smart ass, I'm not just like, the, like, oh, yeah, fuck you and y'all ain't shit. Right, right. No, it, it was a family of 30-something people. They brought their grandparents. I told all them, I told, I went to their grandparents. <laughs> That's hilarious. And the grandparents... Yeah, and then the grandparents gave me the okay to go talk shit. That's hilarious. <laughs> as they stood, as they stood next to me and was like, "Yeah, yeah, y'all get it together." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah, because again, <laughs> I'm a smartass, but I'm not an idiot. Right, right. <laughs> so I was just like, if I'm gonna do this, we're gonna do this right, and y'all are gonna remember this. And so yeah, for <laughs> forever and ever, they're gonna remember the time that a server got the okay from their grandfather. From the grand- yeah. yeah, that's right, and their grandmother to tell them that they were being shitty at this very moment in time, and that they need to sit their ass down and get it together. <laughs> And that's exactly what happened. And they tipped us amazingly. And then that's so funny. And then my the general manager was like, "All right, y'all, I'm going home." It was like ten forty something, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Hey, I'm right behind you. I, I had just helped get my last table together. I talked to him all the way upstairs. He was like, "Hey, it's been great working with you, man. If you change your mind, let me know." Yeah. And I was like, "I don't think I am. I think this is it. Deuces, I'm out." Yeah. And here we are, about to go into my third year, man. And that's it's... fantastic, yeah. <laughs> so how how was that first year for you? I mean, were you able to get Ooh. your name out there it was quickly? Hard, yeah. or... It was hard. It was yeah. super hard because I'm not from Waldorf. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Brooklyn. I've actually been living down in, in like St. Mary's County, though, since 99. So I've only been up here in Waldorf for like three, going on four years now. It has been a struggle. That like, like that first year, last year was crazy because people don't know me. Right. I'm now stepping. I'm stepping into, unlike St. Mary's <laughs> County, there's a whole bunch of home studios and maybe one like KMH was just the bigger studio there, nice yeah. studio, but it just happened to be the bigger one there. Yep. But up here, there's a nice little range of studios in a 20, 40 mile radius here. Yeah. So. I am definitely now the small fish in a very large, large lake. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Spreading into the ocean. So I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? And again, my wife has just been super supportive. So on those really rough months, it was just like, oh, man, how are we going to do this? And then getting clients, like, you know, choosing the studio name as Quality Touch Studios, it it kind of, it, it kind of you know, emblazoned me to kind of push forward more. So quality became a very huge part of my mental capacity to be able to deal with those hard months. I was like, mm-hmm. look, I know, I know we don't get a lot of clients, but the ones that we do get, they love us. And the, one, and the ones that love us, they talk about us to everybody. And so the word started to spread. Um, fast forward here in this year right here, I doubled everything that I made from last year. That's fantastic. Completely. No losses at all. And we're talking with buying extra gear, with 
going over budget with doing everything. With being able to go to the AES, with mm. being able to go everywhere else, yeah, right? Yeah, man. Um, travel, expensive, the studio pays for everything. That's fantastic. And we're talking, yeah, covering bills, like, bill. The first year, the reason why it was so hard is because, number one, I didn't cash in on any of my, um, you know, my IOUs. Gotcha, okay. And, but then, but again, when it got hard, I had to learn to do that. Right. I had to learn that when you when, when you cash in on when someone owes you something or when people say they're going to help you, when you cash in on it, it doesn't make you a bad person. It means you need help. Yeah. So getting past that wall of, mm, I can do it myself because I can because I'm a man. It, after I made it past that, it was kind of like, all right, well, hey, like, how are you doing this? And blah, blah, blah. Talking to, to you know, people that have been around longer than me. Right. How, how do you how did you make this a career? And they gladly gave me all the information. You know, um, learning how to be, as being an engineer, how to get royalty checks as an engineer. You know what I mean? That helped a lot because those royalty checks paid for groceries. They helped pay for bills, cell phone, part of the bills for rent. Like, you know, they they put my children in their little my gym classes so he can go and learn different things. You know what I mean? Clothes for my daughter. Yeah. These are the things that are already there that exist for us as musicians. But there's like, like I said, it's like, there's, it's not even like a glass ceiling. There's like this cap that everyone self-imposes because they feel like they can do it independently on their own. But the resources are there. No one just wants to take take advantage of it. Yeah, and I think, too, that everything's a lot more accessible nowadays. Very much. And even though it's it's a very tough playing field, I would say, because there's so much open competition, right? But people are still willing to help out. Yeah. Like, yes and no. Like, I grew up having Encyclopedia Britannicas, right? Like right. The actual books. Right. And I'm sure you remember right. those back in the day, too. But if me and you right now get on our phone and we look something up, it, it, it kills it. It killed off that. Yeah. It, 100%. That's where we are right now. Where, for us, it's easy because that's what we were, that's what we were taught to do. Go look it up. All right, cool. And I can go look it up. Again, the younger generation, it, it's always been there. So it's just, it, to, to them mentally, it's not, oh, let me go do this because I can, because it's there, because I can go find out. You know what I mean? It, it becomes, they do it on the strength of need. They were never just to learn, but just on the strength of need. So, oh, I need to do this because I need to do it. Whereas, if I want to learn, I'm, I want to absorb knowledge, so give it all to me. Gotcha. And I don't need to learn it, I just want to learn. Right. Yeah, that's... That makes sense because you're you're looking at that self satisfaction, the instant gratification, all that stuff in there, and then just knowing that you always have something at the tips of your fingers exactly. to get into. Exactly. That's a, a dual edged sword to where you know people know how to look for stuff and that answer is there not how hard it was to find that answer before or how important it was to get all the knowledge that you could because they there's that knowledge bank that's there right true but see in my situation like like in my first year i had no choice you know what i mean it's it's the how how are we going to how are we going to survive how are we going to succeed you got to jump off the cliff so did you look at it as i need to learn more about Business and marketing, too? Yes, definitely. Oh, my God, yes. Um, shout out to Google. <laughs> Dude, Google Google is probably the most underused utility by musicians I've ever seen in my life in, mm -hmm. in the urban music world. Because Google, Google would help you make more money 
I think, than most people would ever give it credit for. Like, as a business, getting on Google was literally as simple as registering and waiting for them to send me a little paper in the mail saying, hey, this is your code. Once you fill this in, you're officially a Google business. That's it. Because of Google, I probably get, like, anywhere from five to ten new customers a month. Really? And that's just for the searches? That's it. Calls, everything, man. Like, the Google advertising I pay... I pay like 50, 60 bucks just to be on a, uh, anywhere from a, what, like a 40 to 45 mile radius. Doing that for the year, I'm, I'm the number one studio in my area, man. I have 17 wow. five star votes. Like, yeah, it put us, it, I, I run a home studio and I'm the number one right. recording right. studio in, in, in that range of an area. That's an awesome thing to be, to accomplish. And that's like a life goal that I've always wanted because I've always known you could do a lot in the big studio. But it's a, it's the small studios that do the most of, that do the bulk of the work in the world right now. Right. You know, you any I've seen some amazing home studios, man. Like um shoot, Ashby, who is nominated, I think he's nominated for like two Grammys or whatever this year from working on Cardi B's um album, doing her recording. His home studio is amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's nothing compared to like Premier Studios in the middle of Manhattan in New York. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? But he can still get an amazing sound. So for for you, how how do you vet clients? Because I would assume with it being in the, in the house, that it has to be a little bit tougher for you to. Nope. No. <laughs> not at all. Because I've been running a home studio for for a better part of a decade. It might not have been in this house, but I've always I've always right. had a, rec- a recording studio, so I've always had one in the home. And because I've always been engineering, I'm, I've been really I've been fortunate to be really blessed not to run into the dark side of running a home studio. So, okay. but at the same time, I'm smart. I'm active in my community. I, I know artists. I know their wives. I know their girlfriends. I know their mothers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm active in my community of the things that they want to do. And I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they actively do. I care about them as a person on mm-hmm. their personal level. So someone could be out here dealing drugs 100 miles an hour. Cool. But you want to be a, you want to be an artist, right? So these are the things that you got to do in order for you to stop making this drug money and start making this legal money. That's that's the reality of it. And the fact that someone like them from this area and beyond cares, like I actually care. I'm like I'm not like, hey man, thanks for the bread. All right, you have a great day. Right. You know, like the song is dope. Yeah, that's what's up. No. I care what they sound like. I care what they do. I care about the terms they use. I care about them being responsible artists, but being responsible human beings. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, look, dude, you can't do this forever. You got kids. What does what what your kid's future look like? You know, you like, what's going to happen? You get, you get popped, you get shot. Then what? You know what I mean? And again, I go through hundreds of artists in a year. So trust me, I have this conversation with a lot of, right, I right. Have it with a lot of people that do a lot of illegal activity. But again, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to see them just for their money. Right. You know what I mean? Like, our industry thrives on people with the imagination and the, and the guts to take something from one place to another. You know what I mean? I could be working with the next big thing. I could be working with the next Beyonce, the next Jay-Z. You know what I mean? The next KRS-One. Someone that can, that can be super influential on our world at hand. The people around them might not see it, but if, as long as I see it and I make the strides and help them get from point A to point B... They know they always have an option. You know what I mean? So they have my back. 
Right. Is that one of the, the bigger things that you've learned is to be able to bridge that gap and, and just to be personable Definitely. with with everybody? Definitely, man. Definitely. Um, I was I did a little work down in, in Atlanta uh-huh. for Bad Boy South. Um, the things you saw there was awesome because I'd never really seen artists just kind of come through and collab with no with no kind of worry about the business aspect. And so I kind of t- I've taken that and been like, hey, let me hook you up with this person. Let me hook you up with this person. And people, I, you know, I, I kind of I, I instill business acumen to to a lot of the artists that have no business acumen. So it's like, hey, you want a feature from this guy? It's gonna cost you. You know what I'm saying? You want to do a feature for this person? Make sure they pay you. Things of that nature, because our our culture of music survives literally on people making money. Yeah. You know, and sure, it's not about the money. But it's never been about the money because I'm going to die doing this. Right. Whether I, was ma- whether I was making money or not, I'm going to die doing this. So the whole, oh, don't do it for the money. No, you need to do it for the money. You need to live. You, you live in America. I, yeah. You live in America. You need to live. And, and to live and survive means you need to do things for money. Monetary gain doesn't mean you're selling out. It literally means you're just living. This is you trying to survive. You give me money for this. I give you this product. It sounds great. We keep doing it. We make more money together. The problem is a lot of artists have no idea how to go into the next step. So I could pay you the hundred dollars for the feature, but the per- but me paying you doesn't mean I actually know how to make the money from the feature. They're gonna tell me all oh, streams and all this other crap. I can sell this music directly from my website. Yeah, people will buy it. You know why people will buy it? Because they 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 like me. They rock with me. So it's, streams are gonna always be there. But the problem is most artists don't push the actual way to make the actual money. They push. A corporation's way on how to make the money. They don't push what's in front of them. Yeah, and we all know corporations don't have the greatest outlook for us individually, right? Why would they? So can't, can't become a billionaire by making sure that everybody else is alright. <laughs> <laughs> right. So for you, you've you've made some strides in here. What is some of the goals that you have when when you talk to these artists and the, your personal goal for the studio? What do you want to see happen in the next couple of years for you? Um. Because well, you've hit to, a couple of them I'm so trying, far. I'm right? trying to win this Grammy, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to win this Grammy. Um, to be honest, my my ultimate goal, I actually would love to build a chain of recording studios. Okay. But I want, and and I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I can't believe you said that. I really, I want it to be kind of like McDonald's. I want, I want to be able to make recording studios all over the place with the same kind of gear, with a great quality sound that you can get anywhere great file sharing system so if you go from one state to another or one part of the city to the next it's all the same setup you know what you're getting into you know that you're going to get this level and you're never going to get below this level that's my ultimate goal studio wise for me like i said i'm trying to win a grammy but at the same time the reason why i say make like mcdonald's because i want to keep it cheap and affordable for people Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have to be stupidly incredibly expensive you know what i mean like I, that's what I always thought growing up, but I'm part of that generation where that hybrid setup digital is is what works for for me. Just for the simple fact that I grew up in the in the age of when digital was trash. Right. You know, like oh, this software compressor doesn't sound like this hardware compressor. Yeah, it doesn't. But now that I'm older, I don't care. I care about the tone. I care about what the actual record sounds like. Of course, I I got hardware pieces to, you know, help get me there. But I had to I had to grow to that. Because the studios I was working at, they already had all that set up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. the difference between when you're interning and when you're going to school is school te- will teach you 
100% this does this does this to do this. When you're interning, it's sit there. You be quiet. You do what I tell you. Watch and pay attention. That's what interning is. And that's what I did. So I just absorbed everything like a sponge. And I asked questions when I had the, that little bit of gap of time to ask questions. Oh, so why are we setting this up? What's this cable for? How do you set up this insert? So instead of putting the reverb directly on the track, you put it on an auxiliary channel, right? Okay, so how do you route that to the master fader? Oh, session's getting started. I'll ask you when we're done. <laughs> and in the back of my mind, the question still lingered there. So when the session was over, I still asked the question. But all the things in the session, I'm running along with it. You know, so at, the, at, the, at that, we kind of we come back to, I want people to know that at this day and age, at this point, it doesn't take a lot to get a lot. Right. It doesn't take a lot, but you still got to invest in yourself. Shit. <laughs> you know, come to a studio that's going to charge you like 40 bucks an hour. Doesn't mean it's going to sound like crap. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So how do you how do you start that process to reach your goal to, to get Grammy nominated? How do you how do you look at it and be like, I, I have this. This is my spotlight. Right. This is this is my light at the end of the tunnel. I need to start hustling and building my repertoire touching as many people as possible building that network that you were talked about which is fantastic I, th I think that's a role of a, a studio and a that is very underused definitely because you <laughs> you can network with so many people and yep. get your name out there with more people and bring people together and mm -hmm. because because people can be insulated a lot yeah if you are able to open up a little bit you'll be able to break free and, and make a name for yourself way more I feel like um, but yeah how do you how do you plan that out to where I have my goal Th these are some of the steps that I want to be able to do to reach it work backwards you got to work backwards like my goal is always to be been to win a Grammy okay. um, so for me because that's my major life goal it's one of the first things I start off in the conversation when it comes to like our peers so when I'm talking to other engineers when I'm talking to producers when I'm talking to artists they know by the, end, by the end of meeting me, they know that's my life goal. So I just happened to one day run into somebody that knew a, a, rep, a rep for the Grammy Association here for the D.C. chapter. Mm -hmm. He gave me he gave me the rep's contact information. I hit her up on the ride home from Baltimore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, shout out on Line Out, what was it, Line Up Room Studios in Baltimore, too. Yeah, they definitely helped me out for that. So I went, talked to her, and then this was all last year. So she gave me the list sent me to the Grammy website, tell, this is the list that you have to do to go ahead and even just to become an associate member, let alone a voting member, but this is what you gotta start doing. And I started putting out records with artists at the speed of light because that list just so happens to be the criteria that has to be met for when you're releasing music. Mm -hmm. So that list is like the list that every artist should be doing for their music. And I learned that I had to learn that the hard way. So I, in doing the list, it just prepped me. Oh, I gotta have a website. Why? Because this is on the list. But know what? Know what else you got? You know what you also have to have on the website? A calendar. Now, if you're an artist, you have to have the calendar on the website to show when you when you perform and all the different dates of the different things you're doing. Right. As an engineer, I just have to have the website up with some music and show that I'm actively a member of the music the music area that I live in. Mm -hmm. Cool. But you want to get records out, right? All right, cool. So let's put out a record. Well, get get now. In order in order for you to put a record out, you gotta pick one of these one of these distribution channels, right? 
But that also means now you got to go register with a, P, with a PRO. You got to go register with Sound Exchange so that way they can collect your royalties for you from when you get played on the radio. Oh, that's right. You want to get played on the radio. You know what that means? You got to go register with Nielsen. Why? Because Nielsen BDS does the tracking for the radio stuff. And they also make sure that the record can be found by radio station personnel. All these are, these are all the different things that for my goal to be reached, I had to systematically go down the list and get all these things done. And then once you get it all done, you're like, damn. Then you do it again. <laughs> and you keep doing it. And you keep doing it. Because because as an engineer, I got to have like 12 singles out and about ready to run out with people. And then I got to have six albums <laughs> that I've worked more than two-thirds of the album in order for it to count as a credit for me. Really? Okay. And that's just the short part of the list. So I'm just like, okay, and I'm... I'm just working, and I'm just working, and that's my goal. And I know, because I know this is my goal, and these are the things in order for me to achieve just to become an associate member, then to become a voting member, you have to make sure it's all done. Right. You know what I mean? You have to make sure it's all done. The credits have to be a certain kind of way, so it has to look a certain way on the back of the album. And because everything's digital, no one's really even doing back of the album covers. Right, right. And you can't get around that. So I have to ask the artist to ask their graphic designer to make a back cover specifically for me with this specific information of how they want it. And you got to do it every time. You know what I mean? So, do you think your peers around this area or even in Baltimore and D.C. have that same mentality? Some do. Um, there might be like two handfuls. And mm-hmm. I mean, there are the guys that have already done it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And there are those that are, there are those that don't care. I, I always tell people, it's like, when it comes to this Grammy thing, because it's one of the biggest debates right now when it comes to like all urban hip-hop, anything. Like, how important are the, are the Grammys, really? The reality is, when it comes to it, the Grammys are important because it's an actual award that is voted on by, by your peers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, everybody always says all this other BS, and the bigger artists, there's a whole political game that the bigger artists go through. But there's like 80 categories, and it's the rest of us that are trying to get up because when you when you become a Grammy nominated artist, your stock has just risen. That that, yeah. that goes in the front of your name, no matter who you are. Grammy nominated, blah blah blah. And that becomes a thing. Or Grammy Award winning, blah blah blah. And your stock as an individual, whether it's a business or whatever you want to do, has is now goes to the height of you went from making hundreds or maybe a couple thousand dollars to thousands to a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Easily. As an artist, I could you could easily do shows now from anywhere from ten thousand to fifty thousand dollars. Easily. Sure. Easily. This is we're talking the rest of the rest of your career kind of thing. One a one hit wonder is out here for the rest of their life making ten thousand dollars per show. That's not bad in a month. If, not if at I'm all. only if I'm only doing one show a month. Yeah, not at all. You know, and I know a lot of guys I become really good friends with a lot of older artists who are doing like five to ten shows a month, mm-hmm. making anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars. That's an amazing living. For someone that has faded into obscurity out of the public eye, that's still amazing. So, to answer the question, eh, not really, because the importance of it, if if everyone if everyone felt the way I, I'm talking about it right now, mm-hmm. the importance of it, you would see a lot more local music played. You know why? Because everyone's grind and their drive would be. Well, I need to get my music on the biggest platform possible. Well, you have it on streaming sites. I want it on the radio. You know why? Because for all the millions of people that I could possibly get a stream from, there's millions of people that are going to hear it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. My my BDS spins will be through the roof. 
advertise. Like, there's all kinds of things that we can do for, like, the dumb, low, cheap, or free. And people just don't have the mentality for it. Just because no one's saying, hey, you want to make some money? <laughs> right. You can do it like this. And they go, why? How? So, for... Let's see if I can get this right. <laughs> Let me make sure I'm not neglecting any sessions or anything. You're good, man. Okay. I'm just trying to... Alright, so we have the Grammy thing, which is, I, th I think, very unique um, in there to where I don't think any anybody's on the same mentality level of that, of that hustle. Do you, the artists that you bring in here, mm -hmm. do you find that they have the same passion that you do? Or have you been able to kickstart that? Some people do come in here with that passion. Other people, definitely, they, they see the work and they see the work ethic. And so they're just like, hell yeah, Will says I can get it. I believe I can get it. And so, yeah, like, man, I've got my sixth record on the radio now. And yeah, all those artists are because they're, yeah, we started from the nothing. Like, I have an artist right now. He just got his first radio play literally like three days ago. We started working in March. Mm -hmm. That was when he first started <laughs> in March. The guy is amazing. So amazing. he first started making music in March? No, he's, or... he's, been, he's been making music, but he started his professional, I'm going to put this out, let me take this next step, I'm going to do Let me take shows. it serious, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to pay for this, get paid for this, and do this, this, and this. Yeah, he's he is actively out here doing amazing. Um, his artist name is Kabir. Um, he is, yeah, he, 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 he was he was like a, a hardcore rapper. Now, mm -hmm. now his skill level as a rapper has surpassed anything that he could have possibly done in the past wise. But he has also come to find out that he loves singing, and people love him singing. Hmm. <laughs> so he's got all these like hybrid rap R and B records, and they sound amazing, like some amazing records. And yeah, the radio is just now getting wind of him because he's becoming very social. Mm -hmm. he's becoming very outgoing. So now everyone's starting to see him and do these shows and have these great songs and people starting to sing along. And now the DJs and the radio stations are starting to say, you know, who is this guy? Right. Who is, what's he doing? What's blah, blah, blah. And it just so happens that at the same time he's doing that, I'm working on all these other projects where these stations are starting to pick up and play them. So 95.5 and 93.9, now that they're becoming players in, in this game that I have going on, they're starting to take more interest. So now it's kind of, it's getting to the point now where by the end of the year, the goal for me at the end of the year is to have like 10 records just out and about on radio. Do you have to rely more on the artist to get that push? Or Definitely. is that something where you're able to help out with marketing or anything? I can, but I'm more, I'm more the, I'm more like Google to these artists. Okay. So if an artist says, damn it, man, I want to get more shows. I actually, I have all the information you, you need in order for you to get more shows. Right. I, I can literally tell you the top 20 to 50 places for all hip hop artists. The one, and I can, I can tell you the top 10 places they're going to pay you. I can give you all that information. It doesn't even matter if it's hip hop. I can do it for pop artists. I can do it for folk country. Mm -hmm. I can do it for everybody. Oh, how do I get on the radio? Well, which radio are you trying to get on? You want to get on college radio or you want to get on terrestrial radio, terrestrial radio, might be a little problem. Might take a little more time. College radio, how soon you want to start? The payout's the same. It, that's what I like. That's that's what I've become. I've become like 
that thing of knowledge. So artists will be like, well, how do I make money doing this? I'll show you how. There you go. Yeah, because for, for you, it's it was that knowledge seeking that, that motivated you the exactly, most, right? Exactly, yep. So when, when they focus on getting on the radio, when they focus on getting to that next step, mm-hmm. you're able to kind of go on the coattails a little bit and that's when you get a little bit more credit and notoriety for yes it. Yes and no. I, I was also an artist at one point, too. Okay. So a lot of these steps I've taken years and years and years ago. It just so happens that a lot of this has to change. Right. So for me, it's just, okay, you're at the radio station. Well, what do I do? Well, you're here to talk about yourself. You're literally here to <laughs> talk about yourself. You just got to sell yourself. Be yourself. Talk about what you do. Because once you leave this radio station, you're not going to stop being yourself. If they like the music, cool. If they don't like the music, you ask them why. A lot of artists, they don't, like this interview right here, a lot Mm -hmm. of artists don't prepare. They don't prepare. And the fact that you don't prepare in the midst of wanting to do something that you say that you want to do for the rest of your life is ignorant and negligent. So, because someone like me is around to tell them that to their face, they're like, okay, cool, I got to be ready. Yeah. So, cool. We get yeah. there, it becomes, ooh, what do I do to, all right, cool. So when they ask you about this, this, and this, what are you going to say? It it becomes just a whole nother, it becomes part of media training. And only, again, only because I've been down that road. Right. Like when I've had managers, this is what this is what it was like. When I've had record deals and it's on in my face. When I've had to go on a show or go on a tour, blah, blah, blah. These are the things that you have to do. Why? Because if you're not prepared and you're not ready, you just look like an amateur. And being an amateur in front of people that don't know you is like getting stabbed. Yeah, and I I talk about this um, even at work and and just in the real world, people can smell weakness. Exactly. And exactly. they they can figure out that pretty quick to where they know how much you're faking or not. Yeah. If you're genuine, you're you're more than fine. If you're able to get your message out, you're more than fine. But which, which definitely makes this business very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> let me tell, yeah, because you're 100 percent right on that. Because you kind of walk into the room, and you're just like, yeah, this is what you got. Like when you hear like certain people, you're just kind of like, yeah, that that that's that's not what we do over here. Oh yeah, right. Well, how do you do it? Oh, it's like this, this, and this. Oh, 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 really? And that works? Yeah, that's that's kind of how everybody does it. Yeah, yeah. But I've run into those those scenarios a lot, and that's and that's the thing. Like, I've been told this by the guys that just do better than me. Hey, if you want to get further, don't listen to the people that are on the same level as you. Yeah, (laughs) right, right, right. It's like it's like. So you want to you want to move past where you are? Yeah. So why are you talking to me? Because me and you're on the same level, dog. Yeah, go go above. Yeah. For for you, it's going to those conferences and and getting mm-hmm. getting that network in there. Yeah. For artists, it should be the ones that see how it's already done. It, but those conferences are are great for for artists too. Yeah. Okay. It, I I don't know I don't know how many of those conferences you've ever been to, but this is why they're great for artists, right? And and God, I I hope whoever listens to this, I hope they pay attention to this. This is <laughs> this is really why it's very very important for artists because when those after parties are over. Guess who's left in that big-ass studio talking and conversating? All the important people. No one taps out early. Because in this business, late nights are a thing. Right. So when all the partying's done, when all the groupies are gone, when all the wannabes have taken all their pictures in the con- in front of the consoles and the booths and all that shit, it's nothing but the professionals that are left. 
all the writers, all the producers, the A&Rs, the CEOs, the VPs, all the other head engineers, the assistant engineers, people that have traveled from around the world mm-hmm. to be here at this conference, those are the people that are left. Those are the people that every artist and their mother always want to get in front of and then can never figure out how to do it. And it'll be these after parties that that's when you get to the chance to be in front of someone who actually cares about what you're doing. They'll ask you, what are you doing? They literally will ask you, what are you doing? What do you got planned? Where can I hear your music? And no, 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 no. You know what? They won't even ask you where can they when you hear the music. They, there's a studio room. There's a booth. There's a control <laughs> room right here. Plug this phone up. Let's go hear your music. And that's what we spent, me and my team spent at the end of AES for those five days. That's how we network. Because all the other stuff is cool. All the other stuff is great. But I've seen it and been there before. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to chill with my friends that I haven't seen. I'm here to go and experience new things with new people. Let's go out to lunch. Let's go right. eat dinner. Let's share right. stories. Let's and keep building that relationship. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we us doing that, us building, hey, I need help on a project. I can shoot this to a mastering engineer over in the UK. You know what I mean? And he'll, and he'll knock off some dollars for me because we're cool. I can ask my friend, hey, I see you're working with this named artist and they said they need, they need some production. Shoot them this. See if they like it. And now I just got myself a credit on a major album now that's coming out. You know what I'm saying? Or in my case, I, I just signed to a publishing company. <laughs> Perfect. And all of the, and you know why? Because talking to the guy, I just happened to saw that he was wearing a Gear Sluts shirt. He was the he was the forum moderator for the high end forum on Gear Sluts. Wow. He just happened to also be one of the co owners of this big ass publishing company Perfect. in the UK. <laughs> so he's asking me about what do I do and what kind of music and what am I working with? Yeah, and I also think that it's important to keep in mind two things. One, people are people. Of course, it's it's okay. They you can talk to them. It's it's okay. Like <laughs> they're not scary. They're they're not. I remember a couple of times that I've I've booked bands that I've looked up to for years, and as soon as I I got them into my venue, or just talking email wise, whatever, right. They're just like, yeah, we're cool. Like that that's it. And then I I can still fanboy out whenever I want to, but it's you can, people are people. That's yeah. that's the, the the first thing. Like it's okay to talk to them. But mm-hmm. second, like like what you said, be a little prepared, know where your strengths are, have a little bit yep. of an elevator pitch about yourself. Know what your mission and your goal is. Definitely. And have have kind of a little idea for it because if you don't, then you won't be able to get those opportunities and capitalize on them. That's that's the that's that is that is like the major thing I try to tell artists when they're in here. That but again, it's hard to tell somebody that that has no experience in it. Yeah. And it's until they start yeah. it's until they start doing the dance of that. That they they fully understand it, you know. I tell I tell I'll tell my long term artists like you know in a year from now you're gonna look back and you're not even gonna know the person that that, that who that was that walked in this door, right? You know, and the artists that I do have from last year they they all it's it's just like that. They're furthering their careers. They're doing way more. They know how compared to just guessing how, you know, like that whole the blind leading the blind is a very bad thing in this industry. You know, because there's just a lot of guys and a lot of girls that are just kind of like, oh, well, this person looks really popular, so they must be doing something right. When smoke and mirrors are like 80% of everything in this motherfucker. And I hate that because it's like it doesn't have to be. 
Yeah. It never, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, these are the concrete things that have to happen, and everything else is just for the audience. It's like, well, if you want to be in this business, yeah, this isn't the Wizard of Oz. This is the curtain, okay? Right. Stay behind the curtain. You want right. to do things right, stay behind the curtain. If you want the flash, get in front of the curtain. There you go. Everybody can be amazed at everything you're doing. Look good for the gram. That's cool. But, <laughs> but dude, I got bills. <laughs> right, so right. We're, so we're going to stay behind the scenes real quick. <laughs> right. You know, and and I, and I always tell people, like, you know, behind the scenes is, is still cool. Like, I still take trips. I still go and see cool people. I still talk to big-name celebrities and all this all, all the time. But it's different behind the scenes. They're not trying to impress anybody behind the scenes. They're just another person yeah. trying to be trying to sustain their career and do the right thing so they can just keep making money and keep doing what people love yep. you know whereas in front of the camera oh my god it's blah 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 <laughs> can I get an autograph can you sign this can I sign that and I'm just kind of like let me just kind of tiptoe to the left <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you later dog <laughs> well do you have anything uh, coming up that you're working on that you're really excited to release out um uh can't really talk about all the major stuff because yeah ndas suck right right <laughs> um but i've done actually i've done like at least three really big mixes that i'm hoping get through that that stage and make it onto albums because yeah then i will get that grammy nomination <laughs> gotcha. okay. um let's see the get together in new york um mm-hmm. my team they're still dope um we're all just trying to make it right now it's it's just one record at a time right now for me. I'm just trying to knock every single record out the park. That that is that is my goal right now. It just it just so happens that a lot of the records that I'm doing, they're just backed by motivated people. You know? Mm-hmm. Um uh, even though I can't talk about them, I look out for some work from Sony, look out for some work from Warner, look out for some work from right. Def Jam, and I know there's one, oh, what's the other one? Uh, Universal. There we go. Cool. Universal, Universal might be the big one. <laughs> Universal and Warner, man. <laughs> so, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna wrap it up with this, because I, I think this is gonna be one of the most important um, pieces that we talk about. So, you have your family. Mm-hmm. You have your your wife. Mm-hmm. You have your studio. How do you juggle all that on a daily basis, right? And then what what would you say outside? I think outside of the Grammy, right? Mm-hmm. What keeps you motivated to pursue your goal the most? Mm, okay, two part question. So the balancing act is a very very stupidly thin wire that you're probably going to cut your feet on all the time every day. <laughs> um, you do it because at the end of the day, you have to. Mm-hmm. I, I have to learn. Be- be- because before getting married and before being with the woman that I'm with right now, music was my life. And when I say that, any any true musician, no matter who it is, you know what that means. It, mm-hmm. It's your everything. It is what you think about when you go to bed. It is what you think about when you wake up. It is what the course of the day, it is what helps you get through the course of the day when life throws everything in, in the kitchen sink at you. And especially as an engineer, you, you're you always thinking about the last record. You're thinking mm-hmm. about the next record, techniques that you read about or techniques that you're currently reading about, things that you're reading about, hardware, software money (laughs) right you know what i'm saying but but because of my wife i've learned balance and because of that it works for the simple fact of 
that balance translates into everything. Mm-hmm. When I'm, when, here, simple example. When someone pays me, it now goes into, as, as part of the balancing act. I have to put that into my income. I have to go ahead and ring that up. And then we put the money somewhere safe. And then, of course, this is all done because they're here on a schedule. I have to keep that schedule tight because I'm actively a father here at home with my children. Mm -hmm. I have to make time for my children. They can't just be by themselves. So in between my sessions, I make time for my children. It so happens that I have a really smart son, and he's really, really awesome as a (laughs) three-year-old. So he helps me out tremendously, probably more than any three-year-old probably should. Yeah, like easily should. Or could that I know of. Right. But he's an amazing son. And I I give him that credit. You know what I mean? He knows daddy's at work. And at the same time, my wife, she's also the player on this team, too. She's the co-owner of the studio. So gotcha. Okay. She, she plays her role, too. She understands her role. And, of course, and vice versa. So we play this really beautiful dance of going back and forth and then trying to make time for each other on a daily basis as well. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because Not because I want to, more because I have to. And because why? Because my obsession with loving music wants to take me away. But guess what? I love my wife more. And I had to get to that point where it's like, you know what? If this burns down, baby, we're going to do another one. There you go. Okay. And, and that's what makes the balance of that. Now, ugh, the other question, <laughs> uh, the other question, the other goal, to be honest, I just want to live a good life. Like, yeah. as I get older, man, that's, that's like the, the I, I want a home to share with my family. I want a space to always do music in my home to call my own mm-hmm. because I, I like going to big studios. We all do. I, I grew up in the console era, so I, I can set a console and cut tape and all that other cool, fun stuff. Well, minus the tape. That's not cool and fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really cool and fun. But, like, I did all that stuff. And I like I like being a homebody. I want my I want to get to the point where my wife can quit her job. Right. I want that. That's that's my, my life goal is to for us to be happy and content. Me to work on enough records where I get enough royalties that when me and my wife pass away, our children can collect that from the estate that we've set up. Sure. They have a home that they know this is our family home, paid for. It's already knocked out. Just pay on the property tax. I don't want my kids to be set up in some bull crap of a life where they can't even pay property tax and they got to sell the family house. Keep it in there, but teach them so that when they teach their children, hey, this is what we do. And you can do anything else you want. I don't care. But this is for the family. Like, this home is for the family. The studio, do as you please. This this gear, this equipment, it's... It's going to depreciate, what, by, like, a couple of dollars? Like, <laughs> I'll sell an LA-2A for the same couple of thousand dollars that I bought yeah. it for. You know, like, be smart. That's all. Like, make make smart financial investments. You know, like, for, for engineers that are just starting out and they're young, I say this because all these things were achievable because, again, I, I met a great woman. Like, right. my wife, let me tell you, two years ago, my credit was a 540. Right now, my, my credit is sitting at a nice, cool 718 right now. There you go. This is two years. You know why? Because this woman told me in my mind, right? And I'm from the hood. So she, <laughs> tell, she tells me, she tells me, you need to buy me a ring. Simple oh. as that. You need to buy me a ring, okay? Not, she didn't say you need to buy it to that day. I, I'd have told her, girl, you better kick rocks into that point. She's like, you need to buy me a ring. And I'm like, I can't afford to buy you a ring, okay? We're doing this. We're doing that. Use your credit. Get a card. Go get me a ring. What are you talking about? And then she sits me down and we go through the whole spiel of credit. And no one ever talked to me about credit in my whole life. It's amazing that 
that schools don't do it. It school, doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. In my opinion, just my opinion, schools are what what schools teach are bullshit. Yeah. For the simple fact of the things that you need to survive through life is what you should be learning in high school, because after high school is when you get you get given the life choice of do I want to continue my learning or do I want to go out into the world. Four years of high school, you should be prepared to go out into the world as a, as your choice. And yeah, home ec, home ec should still very much be a thing. And every should, year. It every should year. encompass and it sh- everything. And it should teach you the Taxes. Part. Yes. The whole thing. That is such Equity. an important part. How, yeah. Like, like think there are things in life that are too important not to get taught because it's not getting taught at home. And because I didn't get it taught at home and it, it was kind of just part of my community and the people around yeah. me, no one knew. And so everyone had shitty credit. And if I had known about credit growing up, guess what? I'd have been able to buy a house 10 years ago. Right, right. You know, I would have had a world-class studio 10 years ago. Why? Because I would have been smart about not only getting things, but applying my credit in creative ways. Like right now, that's the reason I was able to get my credit score, because I've done it in a creative kind of way. I've been able to finagle different things to do this, 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 and this, Mm -hmm. still paying these off, taking the long-term payments just to help build Mm -hmm. the credit. And the short-term payments, I pay them off in fast spurts. Why? Because... My lifestyle allows me to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's those things. But again, like I said, it's because of I got a great woman, and after teaching me about credit, using that credit helped me get this this hair ring. Getting those rings helped improve my credit. Why? Because I've been able to get them to the point of almost paying everything off. Yeah, and doing it fast and doing it consistently. Yeah. Once you start doing that, man, it's your life goals start to change. Once life actually starts looking good. You know, like, again, that's why I say I'm from the hood. When you're from the hood, things, things are just kind of like, it is what it is because it's always been, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas when, if, if you give me not just options, but you show me that the light at the tunnel is like right here. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone, everyone always says there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, how long is the tunnel? No one yeah. ever tells you how long the tunnel is. That's attainable. Yeah. No one tells you how long the tunnel is. Well, if I tell you, Hey, the tunnel is right here and I can touch it and you can touch it. You just got to put your hand out there and go do it. Things look different. Life now looks different. Because, like I said, music was my whole life. So now it's like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm really here. So and you're like, what are your life goals now? And I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my wife's like, we're going to raise this family. <laughs> yes, we're going to get this home. That's what it is. Keep this credit. And we're going to live and be fucking happy. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. What she said. That's the other life goal. Get this Grammy and be happy. Be actually happy. Chill out. Work on these records. Make people's dreams come true. Show them what to do and how to do it right and not screw them the fuck over. Like, right. like that's my major goal. Like, hey, look, you see me? Yeah. I'm not trying to have sex with you. I'm not trying to take your kids for granted. I'm not trying to make sure you go into debt. I'm trying to be real as humanly possible and make sure that you can be happy yeah. and make money being happy. You know why? Because I'm trying to be happy. <laughs> you know, like all those crazy weird tropes that we have in our industry. I'm like, yeah, we're just going to put that to the left. <laughs> cool, man. I think that's it.